All right, everybody. You guys, are you ready today? Are you ready today for God's Word? Man, me too. I'm going to dive, really just dive right into God's Word. So uh, if you're ready today, grab your copy of God's Word. If you're online, we say welcome. Grab your copy of God's Word wherever you're at. Um, and turn with me to the book of First Kings chapter 18. First Kings chapter 18. And I'm going to dive in today because I don't know exactly what I'm going to say. I mean, I know the message, but I don't know all the words yet. Um, come on, somebody for external processors, right? You know what I'm saying? That's how God works with me. But as many of you know, God's kind of been moving a different way. We're seeing God do incredible things in our church. I do want to invite you Monday prayers, probably the best service that happens at Pathway Monday at six o'clock. Uh, if you just want to be in the presence of God. Um, but, um, but I have a word today from the Lord and I'll be honest with you, I've struggled with it all week because it's a challenging word. Um, and it's, it's, um, I was telling our serve team this morning, serve team huddle. I said, you know, interestingly enough, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say some things because I think somebody, we, we need to, we need to know what truth is and truth needs to be said. And I said, honestly, 50 years ago, nothing I would say today would be controversial, but probably in today's culture, about 80% of what I'm going to say today would be controversial in some. I don't necessarily think in our church, but um, I just think that we're in a culture where we need truth. We need people who stand for truth. I think God's wanting to do some things. And how many know God partners with us, and that's how God gets things done? Is God always, he always has a man and a family. He always has a family and a city. You know, he always has a city and a nation. You know, it's kind of one of those things. Always, God always partners with people. And so we're going to dive in together. I think we're going to have fun, uh, maybe. And uh, it's going to be good, everybody. So First Kings chapter 18. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to read just a few verses. I'm going to start at verse 15. Now, we'll, let me tell you the background. First Kings 18. A lot of people know this is a story of Elijah, Elijah the prophet Elijah, um, and and King Ahab um, and Jezebel. These are the main kind of characters in in this text. In this, um, and so uh, King Ahab was a king. So after King Solomon. Uh, God's kingdom, Israel, if you will, was was divided uh, by Jeroboam and Rehoboam into two different kingdoms. So you have a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. In the in the southern kingdom, they had sweet tea and those type of things. Northern kingdom, unsweet tea and pop, right? But in the southern kingdom, they had sweet tea and coke, and. Um, and so, uh, but anyways, so this is, this is taking place in the ninth century BC. Um, Je- Jehoshaphat is king in Judah, which would be the southern kingdom. And Ahab is king, uh, in Israel, which is the northern kingdom. And Ahab is not, not a good king. Uh, mostly he's just not a good leader. He wouldn't stand for righteousness, wouldn't stand for truth. And Ahab, uh, marries a Phoenician princess, uh, named Jezebel. Most people are familiar with that. If you're looking for baby names today, there you go. Jezebel, praise the Lord, uh, or Bathsheba. Anyways, I'm sorry, that was terrible. Anyways, but, um, <laughs> but anyways, but, you know, probably for some type of strategic alliance uh, with uh, Tyre. Um, so he, he marries Jezebel. And so when she comes to Israel, she brings all of her gods. This is where we get the uh, introduction of the Canaanite gods of Baal and Asherah. And they end up in Israel and people begin to worship. And so uh, God sends Elijah 
And Elijah says, hey, it's, it's not going to rain until I say so. And then he kind of disappears and there's a drought and there's a famine um, because of the drought. And then in 1 Kings 18, God tells Elijah, I want you to go back and I want you to prophesy that it's going to rain. And this, by the way, if you remember from Sunday school, this is the historic showdown on Mount Carmel between Elijah and the prophets of Baal and and all of that. So I'm going to take some of this and contextualize it, I think, for our church and, and also for what I think the Holy Spirit is speaking to us today. Uh, and so I'm going to read just a few verses. I'm going to pick up at verse 15. So Elijah shows up on the scene, and there's this other um, righteous guy, Obadiah. And Obadiah, because Jezebel wanted to kill all the prophets of God, Obadiah is actually hiding about 100 prophets, 50 in one cave and 50 in another. And so Elijah comes to Obadiah and says, hey, go tell King Ahab that I'm going to see him today. And Obadiah's like, why you don't love me? You know, he's like, if I go tell him that you're going to show up because you're like the most wanted, right? And if I tell him you're going to show up and then you don't show up, he's going to kill me. And then Elijah has to say, no, 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 I'm actually going to go talk to him today. And so uh, anyway, so we, we pick up then in verse 15, it says, Then Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said, Is this you who troubles Israel, or O troubler of Israel? And Elijah said, I, I haven't troubled Israel. You and your father's house have in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel for 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab, in other words, he said, let's, let's have a showdown. And so Ahab sent, verse 20, for all the children of Israel and gather the prophets together on Mount Carmel or Mount Carmel, however you want to pronounce it, or caramel, if you're just hungry, everybody. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long, this is a great question, came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered not a word. I had a lot of trouble trying to name put a title. I don't know why we have to have a title, I guess, for YouTube and the podcast, but I had a, I had a lot of trouble naming this. Uh, I, I went with a lot of different titles. I had, I had one, I can't remember what it, where I started. Um, and then, uh, and then I wanted to call it, um, intolerant. Um, and then I finally settled on, on, uh, before it can rain. So I want to talk to you a few minutes on that topic on before it can rain. Um, let's pray together. Father, I just pray for your help. Holy Spirit, that you would speak. We really just need to hear your words. And I know that you have them and you want to speak them. So speak clearly to us today, God. Um, and let us take your words to heart and let them be life-giving and transforming in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So in the Bible, uh, rain many times is symbolic of provision, blessing, or the moving of the Holy Spirit, right? Even Joel prophesies about the former rain and the latter rain, and in the context thereof, he's really talking about how the Holy Spirit is going to move. I think probably without spending a lot of time belaboring the point, 
if if you're a believer, you've probably arrived at the conclusion that the only hope we have in our world, in our country, probably in our city, is for God to move. That we can't elect a solution. Like, I don't care which, if you're Democrat, if you're Republican, I think we have proven you can't elect a solution, right? Is everybody tracking? And so ultimately, we, we live in a day where there's so much chaos and so much confusion and so much animosity. Um, and I'll just say this, and so much delusion. And people don't know. Like to me, what I think is so interesting about the text is we're in Israel. Israel, I mean, this is 9th century BC. So this is after all the patriarchs and, and David and, and, and Solomon and all that. But we are in Israel with a rich history of serving the Lord. And when, when, when Elijah says, if God is the Lord, serve him. And if Baal is the Lord, serve him. And they answered him not a word. Truth had become so diluted Righteousness had become so optional that God's people could not even affirmatively say whether we should serve God or serve Baal. In fact, there was so much idolatry that had infiltrated Israel that that there was no longer clarity about which God was actually real and which God should actually be served. Are, are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? I feel a little bit about like this kind of how I feel today as a pastor. Um, like I just wonder which Jesus you're serving because there are a lot of Jesuses today. In Exodus 32, um, in Exodus 32, there's this crazy account where Moses goes on the mountain and he's getting the Ten Commandments. He's meeting with God. But while he's gone in his absence, the children of Israel, they go to the assistant pastor, Aaron, right? And they move to the assistant pastor and they say, hey, this dude, Moses, like he's disappeared, man. We don't even know what's happened. And this is what they tell Aaron. Would you just make us some gods that we can worship? And Aaron gets their earrings and their gold. And this is the craziest thing to me. Craziest thing. Like it wouldn't make sense if I weren't watching it happen right before my eyes again. Because, because here's, here's, what, here's what happens. Exodus 32 verse 4. It says, And Aaron received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Now, we all know this from Sunday school, right? The golden calf, right? He made a golden calf, a molded calf. But then he said, look at what he said. This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of Egypt. The crazy thing about that word God in the Hebrew is he calls the golden calf Elohim, which is, is the most common Hebrew word that is interpreted God, when it's talking about God in your Bible, it's typically Elohim. Essentially, he made an idol and he put God's name on it. And he said, this is my God. This is your God. Here's the God that will agree with you. And, and to me, like I'm about to probably, okay, I will. <laughs> to me is how I feel about Jesus today. 
Because there's liberal Jesus. There's, there's woke Jesus. There's feminist Jesus. There's progressive Jesus. And, and I'm like, in a culture, I'm like, well, the real Jesus, please stand up because everybody has their own Jesus. Like everybody's got their own Jesus nowadays. Like we're not really serving Jesus, but what we've done is created a God. We've crafted it in our image according to our likeness and we put God's name on it and made a religion out of it so that we feel affirmed and we feel better about ourselves. And I was thinking about this because like I was thinking and I wrote this and it's going to be offensive and I don't care. But I was thinking today, I'm like, which, which Jesus do I serve? Do I serve woke Jesus who frees me from my oppression but doesn't convict my sin? Do I serve liberal Jesus who's against killing the environment but not against killing the unborn? Do I worship the LGBTQ Jesus who affirms my feelings but does not confront my unrighteousness? Do I preach the tolerant Jesus who respects that I have my own truth so much he would never confront my self-deception? Because the reality is the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a stay-as-you-are gospel. That's not what Jesus preached. It is a come-as-you-are gospel, but it is not a stay-as-you-are gospel. In fact, just so we're clear, I thought I went through the Bible. I thought, let's talk about now. I want to write a book called The Real Jesus. I think it would be awesome. No one would buy it, but it would be awesome. It would be healing for my soul, everybody. It would help me feel better. And some of you probably, you'd be like, praise God. But, but I thought about this because here's, let's just walk through some things. The real Jesus, the real Jesus, the one in scripture. Let's walk through what Jesus taught because Jesus taught that there was sin and he called people to repent. To the woman caught in adultery, he did not tell, he didn't say, he didn't say, hey, I don't condemn you. Go and sleep with whoever you want to. Just live your truth. I'm progressive Jesus. Like he didn't. No, he said, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. That's what, like, like to the lame man, one of the lame man Jesus heals and he comes back to him and he's like, thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Here's what Jesus said. Now go and sin no more, lest something else worse come upon you. In other words, when you live in sin, you open the door for evil. And he said, I love you so, it's what Jesus said, I love you so much, I'm gonna tell you to not sin. I love you so, like to me, Jesus is a savior, but apparently today we don't need saved from anything because a savior would save you out of sin. But since there isn't sin, I mean, this is progressive Christianity. There's no original sin. It doesn't exist anymore. So since we don't have sin, why do we even need a savior? We're okay. We just need to be enlightened. We don't need to be forgiven. This is what Jesus said in John 8, by the way. If you continue in sin, you are a slave to sin. That's the words of Jesus. Not woke Jesus, not progressive Jesus, real Jesus. This is what else Jesus taught. Jesus taught there is only one way to God. Like I know some of you are like, yeah, this is elementary stuff. Our culture is so confused about this. So confused, but this is what Jesus said. There's only one way to God, John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, not a way. 
I am the truth, not a truth. I am the life, not a life. And he said, no one comes to the Father. No one. You know what that word in the Hebrew means, or the Greek means? Nobody. Not one. <laughs> no one comes to the Father except through me. It's what the real Jesus taught. There's only one way to God. By the way, the real Jesus taught there is only one God. And do you know why the real Jesus gets to be the real Jesus? Because he predicted his death. And he predicted his resurrection. And then he pulled it off just like he said. Every other deity, they're dead. Or their imaginations. Buddha's dead, y'all. Buddha's dead. Muhammad, Muhammad's dead. Right? Confucius, Confucius is dead. In the Hindi religion, it's, it's all a lot of things. Based on all these different deities, none were ever, who were ever actually alive, and certainly none that predicted their own death and resurrection and pulled it off. And the real Jesus, we get to go by what he says because he's the real Jesus. And he predicted his death, and he died. And he predicted his resurrection, and he rose again. And that's not a biblical, a fictional story. That's historical fact. There are hundreds of facts historically that point to the resurrection of Jesus. And so Jesus taught there's only one way to God. Here's another one. Jesus taught there's only absolute truth or that truth was absolute or is absolute. John 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. He didn't say your word is a truth. Your word is the truth. By the way, I like what he says, sanctify them by your truth, because the point that Jesus is making is that we don't get to manipulate truth to what we want it to be to make us comfortable. Truth actually transforms or conforms us into who God wants us to be. In other words, we don't change truth into what we want it to be. Truth changes us into what God destined us to be. Are you with me? Jesus taught that truth was absolute. Jesus taught there were only two genders. Matthew 19, 4, and he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? I'm not a mathematician, but let's do some math. He made them male, that's one, everybody, and female, two. Two. Male. And by the way, he made them. So here's, here's some truth for you. God assigns gender. God did not create Adam and Eve and then pull them aside and say, now, Adam, I made you with male anatomy and male DNA, but is that how you feel? Because if you feel a different way, you can be whatever you want. No, he said, Adam, you are man. Why? Because you have male anatomy and male DNA. Eve, you're a woman. He didn't ask how they felt or what cultural norms should be. He wasn't talking about their feeling. God actually assigns gender. And Jesus taught there were only two genders. Um, Jesus also taught that the only marriage that God affirms is a monogamous heterosexual marriage. Matthew 19, 5. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. 
Jesus also taught the only moral application for sex was in a monogamous heterosexual marriage. That's the real Jesus. That, that's Jesus in his words, not the words we want to put in his mouth. Not the words that culture wants to put in his mouth. That's, that's the real Jesus. And what's crazy is when Elijah brings Israel to this question, if God's God, serve him. In other words, you serve, you're right, Jesus. They're, they answered not a word because it becomes so diluted in their culture. Like, we don't know which God is God anymore. We don't know which Jesus is Jesus anymore. Baal worship. See, here's, here's what Jezebel did that was genius that Satan still does today. Because where it started was, it didn't start with, I'm going to kill all the prophets. It started with, I'm just going to introduce other gods. But this agenda never stops there. That's where it starts, right? I remember, some of you may remember when, when I was a kid growing up, was when, the, the back then I think it was only lesbian and gay, the, the homosexual movement started, you know, now we have a lot of letters. I like is LGBTQAI plus, and I think that's what it was yesterday. It may have changed again um, because every day there's a new letter because someone has a new feeling. And and I remember, you know, how foreign that was to our culture. Like it was foreign to our culture. But but then, kind of like the church did when they took prayer out of schools, we just decided, well, gay people stay over there and church people stay over here, and we'll let them have their worship, and we'll have our worship. And that's kind of what Jez, Jezebel did. She said, I'm not saying get rid of your God. Let's just make room for, for Baal and Asherah. And now... Essentially, the LGBT community has really become a religion. And it's a religion of love, but it's self-love. See, love doesn't equal love. God equals love. Love is not an idol. Love is not to be worshipped. And they worship sex. That's what they're worshipping, sex. And now they're grooming children and we're just all like, no, it's okay because we still have our altar and we'll just let them have their altars. And we won't call out the fact that that's demonic. You understand, Baal worship, so there are three really bad deities in the Old Testament, Baal, Asherah, and Moloch. Baal worship did include, at times, theologians believe, child sacrifice. The worship to Moloch most definitely did. And to me, when you turn on PBS and Tickle Me Elmo is dressing in drag, which happens, it's called sexual grooming. A, a two-year-old or a three-year-old should not even think of their sex. They should not think of themselves as a sexual being, right? They, they should go play in the dirt and eat some of it. You know what I'm saying? Because that's how we build our immune systems, everybody. 
right? If you're a boy, you should play in the dirt and eat some of it. If you're a girl, play play with a doll and laugh at the silly boys who eat the dirt. All right, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, this, but but when listen, when we have family events that include drag queen shows, and we can't see that the religion of the LGBT community, which is driven by demons, is grooming our children and sacrificing them, and now we're we're chemically castrating young boys because they're confused about their gender. Well, why are they confused about their gender? Because Elmo dresses up like a girl all of a sudden. That's why they're confused about their gender. And so this agenda is creating the confusion and then ostracizing the right or, or, or limiting the right of the parent saying you're a bad parent and you're abusive if you don't affirm your child's gender. Let me tell you what, I raised three of them and I said, you are a boy, you are a girl, and you are a boy. And anytime there was a question, I explained, you are a boy, you are a girl, you are a boy. Because my job as your dad is to help you walk in truth and identity based on who God created you to be, not the agenda of a demonic culture. Okay, well, I feel better. It's so cleansing today. It's just, are you with me? Parents are like, what do I do? My four-year-old is like, he thinks he might be a girl. Well, if he's a boy, you tell him he's a boy. You explain he's a boy, and you pray for him. You disciple them. Don't let culture groom them. And so here, here in this text, what's going on, this is, we'll get to the message now. <laughs> in the text, God is wanting to move. See, God is always wanting to move, but God causes a drought. Why did God cause a drought? Because anytime you turn to something to make it your source that's not God, he will eventually cut off blessing to bring you back to him because he loves you that much. So anytime you make something else your source, God stops the rain. Watch it with Israel. Anytime they turn from the Lord, he did things to let them know it's not working to bring them back to him. See, an idol is anything that you turn to to meet a need that you have. That's what an idol is. Anything you turn to to meet a need, whether that meet is, need is affirmation, that need is acceptance, that need is feeling, right? So you can make an idol out of almost anything. And so here, Israel had turned away from the Lord and they were looking to Baal and Asherah, who was actually Baal's girlfriend, and they were saying, hey, you're our gods. You, you're, and better yet, Baal's like a, a god of the climate and weather. So God says, oh, you think he's the source of blessing and rain. I'll just stop the rain. Just so we're real clear. But then God wants to make it rain again, right? Because God is merciful and God is kind. In our nation, God wants to move. It's not a question of if God wants to move. It's a question of who's he's going to move through because God can't move through people who are confused about who he is. And what I feel like, like for, for our church, I feel like God is looking for churches like I was listening because um, I listened to to other pastors, you know, I'm always curious, what God's, what's God speaking through other people? Because it's not like I think I'm the only person God talks to or anything like that. I'm not, but, but I've been mortified 
lately by watching some very famous pastors not be able to stand in truth because they've become so popular they might lose followers if they said the truth. And you watch them on talk shows and they're asked very straightforward questions. And, and you're sitting there thinking the answer is very easy because I can quote the verse. But then they're, no, well, you know. I, I, and I watched a, a very famous pastor in, in our nation recently um, on the topic of homosexuality and transgender and all of that. And what he actually said was essentially he said, you know, if I were God, I wouldn't have had just two genders, essentially. I, I would have had like, you know, A, B, C, D, maybe E. I'd have had several you could pick from. And in that moment, I'm like, you just made God the bad guy. I thought, I thought, you know, to steal a phrase from a movement years ago, I thought we were supposed to make Jesus famous, not get Jesus to make us famous. Like, if there's a bad guy here, I can tell you it's not Jesus. <laughs> if there's a bad guy here, it's not God. Are, are, are you with me? And I'm sitting here, I'm like, I know God wants to move, but who's he going to move through? Like, I know God wants to move powerfully, but who's he going to move through? Because if, if we have pastors who are bowing their knee to fame and fortune and popularity and won't take a stand, and we have church people that aren't hearing the truth, so they're confused about the truth, and it's like, well, the real Jesus, well, the real truth, what is it? And then I'm like, where's God going to move? And who's God, God going to move through? And I just kind of said, this has been my prayer lately. You could pray it with me. I was like, God, I want you to use me. See, I, the advantage I have, I'm not popular or famous. I'm more infamous, <laughs> which I think based on the three amigos is like more than famous. You know, El Guapo, the infamous El Guapo. Infamous, what's infamous? He's not just famous, he's infamous. More than, fa anyways, sorry, that was just terrible. Anyways. <laughs> and so I think that if, it, for me, I would love for our church to say, okay, God, we'll stand for truth. And we'll not, we're, I'm not saying be mean. Like we, we you know, if, if, if you're struggling with same-sex attraction or consider yourself lesbian, gay, trans, or whatever, I want you to know you're absolutely welcome here. Just like someone in adultery is welcome here. Just like someone addicted to pornography is welcome here. Just like someone on methamphetamines is welcome here. Right? Because Jesus does come to us right where we are. Jesus meets us where we are. He met me where I was. He met you where you were. And he will meet all of us exactly where we are. And we will meet people exactly where they are. But if Jesus is really love and he is really God, he has never left anyone where he found them. Because that would not be loving. Right. And so everybody's welcome here, but yet we're going to tell the truth and we're going to teach the word of God because that's how we change. We, we've got to move past the age of perverted grace back into real truth. And and so to me, I, I'll just kind of wrap this up. Um, but I was like, God, use use me and use our church like like we, we let us. Let us hold fast to the truth. And I thought about this, you know, Elijah, because God is using Elijah to bring 
a move of God back and repentance back. And, and we often talk about, you know, the end of the chapters where Elijah goes up and he prays for rain seven times. Most people remember that. But there's something that happened. And that, that really, when I started the message, because in prayer a couple of weeks ago, God brought us to this text. And it was really like a word from the Lord. And, and I shared that word. And I'm like, I want to preach that word, God. Just let me preach that word. And I thought he said, okay. And then when I studied this week, it turned into this, <laughs> which is not that. But, um, but I realized before it could rain, like God needed an Elijah and he needs you. James said it this way, Elijah was a man just like you, just like me. And he prayed that, that the heavens would be shut up and the rain would stop and it didn't rain. And then he prayed again that it would rain and it would rain. And I'm just saying God works in partnership with people is a principle that runs throughout the Bible. God rarely, if ever, I, I, can't, I really can't find a place. I've, I've taken some heat for making this, saying this, but after creation, you really can't find a place in the Bible where God moved apart from the inclusion of a man. I mean, if you think about it, like there's Noah and Noah builds an ark because God's going to bring a flood and God wants to save some people, right? And then, I mean, you just kind of, and then there's Moses, like, God brought the plagues, but Moses had to go be the mess. You see what I'm saying? He's working in conjunction. And so you work, you work your way all the way through the scripture. Anytime God moves, he is in conjunction with a man. Just like here, God wants to stop rain, get Israel's attention, bring them to repentance, deal with the unrighteousness, deal with the confusion. And he anoints Elijah and he sends Elijah. And James says, Elijah is a man just like us. And I'm like, God, where are the Elijahs today? Could we have the Elijahs today to stand up? Because before he prayed for rain, he confronted the compromise. And that's really what you see on the mountain. Because when you look at 1 Kings, we read it, verse 20, but he pulls them all together and he says, if God's God, follow him, follow him. And if Baal's God, follow him. And the people didn't answer. And, and he uses that word, how long are you going to falter? I like this King James, New King James, but how long will you falter between two opinions? Here's what he's saying. That word falter is to limp. In other words, here's what he's saying. You're not living the life God called you to because you can't decide what truth is. In other words, you're faltering, you're floundering, you're struggling because you've lost truth. Because the blessing from God is always in his truth. And he says, oh, how long are you going to flounder around and, and, and not? And you know what was crazy, too, is when, like, it starts with the introduction of, of Baal and Azra, But then it says when it's time for Elijah, because, you know, he says, y'all know the showdown, right? So real quick, we get two bulls. Okay, prophets of Baal, y'all put your bull on the altar, call out to your God. I'll call out to my God. Whichever God answers by fire is the real God, right? Y'all remember that? And, and you remember how the prophets of Baal is very humorous. You could read it later. But the prophets of Baal are trying to get God, the Baal God to answer by fire. And of course he's not because he doesn't, doesn't exist. And, and so Elijah's having fun with it. And so he's like, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe he went on vacation. Maybe he's in the bathroom. I mean, he literally says that, like maybe he's stuck in the bathroom, you know? And, <laughs> and, and I mean, and they're getting intense. They're cutting themselves, mutilating themselves to, to worship this God. And Elijah is not the least bit worried because a man with an experience is not the mercy with a man with opinion. You understand what I'm saying? And so then Elijah calls, you know, he puts water on the altar, which there's so much here, calls fire, all that happens. Um, but what was interesting is when he went to build the altar of the Lord, 
it had been torn down. And I thought about that because I thought, what was the altar used for? Sin sacrifices. And I thought about culturally. They were in a culture where they were trying to serve God without dealing with sin. So they wanted blessing without repentance. They wanted religion without change. And the reason, do you know the reason they love serving Baal? He didn't require change or repentance. He was a stay as you are God. Just worship me. I don't require you to change. Just worship me. I'm going to say that again. The false God, his message was, you don't have to change, just worship me. And Elijah has to repair the altar because he's like, no, God is not a stay as you are God. Like we have to have the altar for sin. We, we have to. I, now, now he's faithful and just, like what John said, right? If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us for our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He's, but he's not a stay as you are God. And so Elijah, I'm sorry, I need to get to this. So Elijah confronts compromise. And so much does he confront compromise that he executes all the prophets of Baal. Now, I'm, I'm not saying we go execute because somebody's going to take that clip and say, I told you. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I want you to see is that there wasn't any room for compromise. And Elijah was like, when God answered by fire and it's like, okay, here's the real God. Then he said, we're getting all the idols and we're getting all the false prophets and we're getting all the sin out. We're, we're not going to try to get God to cohabitate with our sin anymore. And we're not going to have a God among many gods anymore. And he, and he executes, takes all the prophets and executes them. I, I want to remind you, Proverbs 8.13 says something that's very strong. But this is what it says. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Not cohabitate with it. Not wink at it, but to hate evil. I understand the message of tolerance today, but do you understand the message of tolerance is only tolerant towards what it wants tolerance for? Because my experience so far is those who claim tolerance are very intolerant of me and my beliefs. They just need me to affirm and tolerate their beliefs, right? And so I understand the message of tolerance. I understand woke, the whole woke thing. I understand all that. But, but here's what I'm saying. According to Solomon, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Now he goes on to say pride and arrogance. This is Proverbs 8, 13, if you want to look at it later. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Did he just say pride I hate? Then as a Christian, could you go to a pride rally? Because I don't know about you, I wouldn't want to show up somewhere God hated. 
So when it's time to confront the intolerance, and here's my message to us. You're like, I'm glad you have one. <laughs> like we have to start with the compromise inside of us before we can start with the compromise that's out there. Like we have to start with, we have to be convinced of what truth we're going to believe, which I hope is the truth of Jesus Christ. Absolute truth. And so we, we as a people and as a church, because I called this before it can rain, because I thought, I want to see the move of the Holy Spirit. I want to see the reign of the Holy Spirit. I want to see miracles and signs and wonders. I want to see God do incredible things. And I thought, before it can rain, we have to deal with compromise. And before we can deal with compromise in our world, we have to deal with compromise in our hearts. And so we have to stand against it, pray against it. We have to live God's truth, and we have to speak God's truth. The only reason that Elijah could stand up to the culture is because he hadn't bowed down to it first. And my concern with a lot of even Christian leaders today is they can't stand up to culture because they've already bowed down to it. And so my thought is, you know, I may be unemployed next week, but I'm not bowing down. You understand what I'm saying? Throw me in the furnace, but I'm not bowing down. Um, and so we have to confront the intolerance. And then here's the second thing is we have to persist in truth, persist in truth. Th this is what Elijah said is so good. And, and I don't have time to teach it. I wish I did. Let me see how much time I can get. Yeah, I can. Okay. I got a few more minutes. All right. We can make this work. It says, then Elijah said to Ahab, go and eat and drink for there's the sound of the abundance of rain to me in my heart. That's what I keep hearing is just the sound of rain. Like I think, I think our world is so ripe for a move of God. I think people are hungry for a move of God. Is our culture confused? I think so. But I think they really want to know, like, I think they're answering not a word, but they're sitting there like, if God would answer by fire, I would serve him. Like, I just need to know who the real God is because it's gotten so confusing. And I think there's this undercurrent of sincere people seeking real truth, hoping to find a real God and hoping that the Bible is true. But they need people like Elijah to show them. Like, I want to call this being Elijah, live like Elijah. You know, I had like eight different titles. And so I'm calling us pathway to be Elijah's and to, to deal with compromise in our own hearts, to stand for truth, but, but, but then to persist in truth, to persist in it, because it is the obedience to God's truth that unlocks blessing. Please hear what I'm saying. It is, there is a blessing for righteousness. It's all throughout the Bible, like God's ear is attentive to the cry of the righteous, right? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers. There is this blessing that is on righteousness all throughout the word of God. The reign of God, it does fall on the unjust and it falls on the just. But I think the reign of God falls because of the righteous. And when the reign of God falls, unrighteous people get wet too. But it falls because of the righteous. There is a blessing on the righteous. There's a blessing for walking in righteousness. Are you hearing? There's a blessing for persisting in truth. And here's what happens with Elijah. Like he goes, he tells King, it's going to rain now because we dealt with the compromise, but it's not raining yet. He heard it, but it's not raining. Remember when he goes out on the mountain and he bells down and puts his knees between his legs. Like I can't do this because I don't yoga everybody. You understand what I'm saying? This does not yoga. It yogurts, but it doesn't yoga. Are you with me? And so he kneels down and he's praying 
And he tells his servant, go look. And he comes back and he said, I don't see anything. By the way, these are the three levels of faith. Ready? You see this? He says, I see there is nothing. First level of faith. I prayed, but it's still invisible. I heard it and I prayed, but I don't see it. First level of faith. Right? Then he goes, what, like five more times, six more, six more times. And he comes back that last time. Right? And he said, I see a cloud, but it's really, really small. Second level of faith. Number one, I can't see it yet. It's invisible. Number two, it's really small. It looks insignificant. But please notice Elijah didn't stop based on whether he could see it or whether it seemed insignificant. Are you with me? Like he just kept, he just kept praying. Oh, this is a good word. We're going to have, we're going to end on a good note, everybody. Praise the Lord. All right. I can feel it now. Like this is persisting in the truth. Like, um, be, uh, what does Paul say? Galatians chapter five, God is not mocked. Whatever a man's, you know, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. He said, and if you continue, be not weary in doing good. For in due season, right? There's gonna be a harvest in due season. It may look invisible when you first start praying. It may look insignificant after you, after you prayed a little while. But if you'll keep praying and trusting and persisting in truth, like in your life, you, you know, I've had people say, well, I tried tithing, but it didn't work. I'm like, how long did you try? Well, I tried one week. Okay. Could you try to, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I've, I've had people say, well, I've been trying to walk in truth, you know, and I'm saying, I understand. I understand because there are levels of faith. First, I, I believe it, but I don't see it. Then I believe it, but it looks insignificant. But if I will persist in truth, Elijah, this is what I want you to understand. He didn't pray one time and say, well, it didn't happen. I don't see anything. No, he came back and said, there's nothing. So he prayed again. 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 There's nothing. What amazed me is his, he was convinced God would move. And here's what amazed me too. God wanted to move, but he needed Elijah to pray. God wanted to move, but he needed Elijah to persist in truth and righteousness. Are you with me? God wants to move, but he needs the people to pray. Not just one time. We prayed, was well, still invisible. We prayed, it's still invisible. We prayed, it's still invisible. We prayed, it's still invisible. We prayed, well, there is a little cloud out there. Now it seems insignificant. Like this move of God is not enough. Like this is not enough. But here's the thing. When you persist in truth, it will go from invisible to insignificant to inescapable. That's your word today. That's your word today. Are you with me? Because this is what he said. Like it was invisible. There's nothing there. It's invisible. I'm going to persist in truth. I'm going to pray. I'm going to partner with God. I'm going to believe. I'm going to say, God, use me. 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 It's still invisible. Nothing's changing. God, use me. I'm going to pray. I'm going to stand in truth. I'm going to stand in right. Well, there is a little cloud. And, there, and this is what Elijah said. Now there's a little cloud. It seems insignificant, but it's about to be inescapable. 
capable. And he says, you better get your chariot and you better get your horse and you better go because a flood is coming. And this is the word for the church. God wants to move, but he needs you to pray and he needs you to be like Elijah and he needs you to stand in righteousness and deal with compromise and persist in truth, partnering with God. And when it looks like God's not moving, you got to understand God's moving. It's just invisible. And if you keep praying, it's going to be a little bit and it's going to look insignificant. But if you keep praying, it's going to be inescapable. Are you with me? (laughs) So you can stand. I I preached up a good lather. (laughs) Big boys and sermons, everybody. (laughs) But to me, Pathway, this is just... This is just our word today. This is just our word today. That God wants to move. God wants to move. And he's just looking for people to move through. He's looking for Elijah's today. People who will confront the compromise in our own heart first. And then just stand in truth in a world that is so confused about what it is. And then persist in that truth and partner with him and pray. Like when we got this word in prayer, really where the word started, and I didn't really get to talk about it, was it was more focused on prayer. But it was really the idea that you notice how he expected something to change. Like he prayed and there's like, there's nothing. Well, why did he pray again? Because it's like, something's going to change. And I thought, God, how many times have I been guilty of praying and really maybe not really being that convinced anything was going to change as Elijah seemed to be? Because the only reason you stay up on that mountain with your head between your knees in that yoga pose is because you were convinced. And the only reason you keep sending your sermon, your servant up the mountain because you were convinced something's about to break. Something's about to change. God's about to move. And I just thought, God, let us be so convinced that things are about to change. Let us be so convinced that you're about to move, that that even if it looks invisible, we'll keep praying, we'll keep standing, we'll keep believing, we'll keep persisting in, in truth, we'll keep living in righteousness, we'll keep dealing with compromise, because at some point, there's going to be a small cloud, and that's going to be enough. Are, are you with me? I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. And, and I really asked the Lord, like, Lord, how do you even close? It's such a weird, to me, a weird sermon. And I was like, Lord, how do you even close, close this? And so we have a prayer team. We pray for anyone who needs prayer for anything. That's how we always end. But I want us right now just to bow our heads just for the last minute that we have here. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit just said, let's take a moment and let's just pray what David prayed in Psalm 139 that says, search me, O God, and know me and see if there's any, any evil way in me, right? And then lead me in your way everlasting. And I just felt like that's where we need to be. Like, God, before we can really stand in truth, we got to be convinced of what it is. And if there's anything in our heart or our life that's not lined up with it, that's where you have to show us. Not because you're mean, but because you want to bring rain. Not because you're, you're you know, mean, but because you want to bring blessing. And so, Lord, I just pray right now, even for me, God, search my heart. And Lord, as we all bow our heads and just say, God, search our hearts, we, we want to see if there's compromise in us. God, we want to stand in righteousness. But God, if there's compromise in us, we got to start there. 
And so, Lord, show us right now. Show us if there's uncertainty. Show us if we've compromised your truth. And, and maybe we didn't mean to. Maybe just culture crept in. And, and we, maybe we didn't even know we were really compromising your truth in the moment. But God, you can show us if we did. And Lord, that's where we want to be is to say, God, if, if, if I've compromised, forgive me. And that's why I say, church, if the Lord's showing you anything and you're like, you know, right there, I, I've made some compromises. I know sometimes the way it happens is we have loved ones and family members that are struggling with some of these things. And so in an effort to love them well, sometimes we will even compromise truth. And, and it's not that that's what we mean to do. We're really trying to love people well, but... It's hard sometimes to know where to stand and how to stand when it's somebody you love. I understand that. But if it's truth, it's truth. And you don't have to hate anyone to love truth. You don't have to be mean to anyone to love truth. In fact, the truth of God's word is that we would never hate or be mean to anyone in loving his truth. And so, God, I just pray, Lord, today, God, we just pray Forgive us if there's been compromise. And Lord, help us, Lord, like Elijah, to stand. Would you just pray that, Lord, help me to stand for truth today. And I'm going to, and, and the, maybe that commitment is I'm going to get in your word and I'm going to study your truth and really know what you say is true so I know where to stand on these things, where I know how you stand on these things. Because ultimately, God, this is our prayer today. We're praying for the rain. Can we just pray just a minute for the rain? Pathway, God, we're just praying for the rain of your presence and the rain of your spirit, the rain of your glory, really the rain of your kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And God, we're praying, use us. Can you just pray that pathway? If you want to use me, God, use me. Let me be like an Elijah that, that doesn't compromise, that doesn't bow, that, that, that deals with unrighteousness, that persists in truth. God, use me because, God, I want to see your reign. And, and you can reign in my home, and you can reign in my business, and you can reign at my school. But, God, I want to see your reign. God, you need Elijahs that haven't bowed their knee. That, that stand up for truth because that's where the rain's going to come. So God, we want to be that, that people. God, not the only ones, I'm sure, but God, that's, your, that's, that's the word for us today. Then that's where we stand. And so God, use us. Help us to stand. Use us. Anoint us by your spirit. Anoint us by your grace. Help us to stand for truth. God, we want to see it rain for our kids, for our families, for our future, God. We want to see it rain. Lord, thank you so much, God, for all that you're doing. God, I hear the sound of rain. And God, that's why we're preaching this message, God, because I know there's the sound of rain. So God, we want to hear it. We want to, we want to know, God, we want to see you move in Jesus' name. Come on, will you give Jesus praise today, everybody? Give Jesus praise today. God, you are so good. So good. So good. Listen, church, I love you. Thank you for standing for truth. Thank you for standing with me. God's going to use us. It's going to be incredible. If you need prayer today, you need a relationship with God, or you need prayer for anything, I want you to come. We're here to serve you. Everyone else, I say a big God bless you. I love you so much. Join us for prayer tomorrow if you can. But in the meantime, go take over your world, everybody. Go be an Elijah. Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church, and I just want to say thank you for joining us, and I want to encourage you 
to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also, uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.